Let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 15 and 16. The key to the book of Revelation is in chapter 1, verse 19. John has been exiled for preaching the gospel to the island of Patmos. That's off the shores of modern-day Turkey. And there the Lord appears to him and tells him to write seven letters to seven churches. But he first of all tells him to write the things that he has seen. And that was a visible description of the Lord himself, which took up most of chapter 1. Chapters 2 and 3, he says, write the things that are, and that would be the church age, chapters 2 and 3. We are living in the church age as we speak tonight. That could change real quickly with uh, the rapture of the church, which would bring us to write those things that are after that, which would be chapters 6 through 19. In chapter 4 and 5, we, we find the church is in heaven. And um, uh, the book of, and the number 7 comes up so many times. Uh, seven letters, seven churches. Um, there were seven seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments. And we'll see, as we conclude tonight, the bowl judgments. By the time we're through with our study tonight, we will have completed that section that's called the Great Tribulation Period. Again, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, tells us it's a seven-year period of time divided in half. And we've made the point over and over and over and over how many different ways the Lord wants us to know that he's dealing with seven years. It's just for Israel. And he divides it up so that we'll understand that there's two distinct sections, sometimes 1,260 days, sometimes 42 months, sometimes times, times and half a times, sometimes three and a half years. It's repeated over and over again. And um, chapters 6, through what we're going to finish tonight is that seven-year period of time. Uh, We're entering into what chapter 15 is, if you turn to that, is simply a a prelude uh, to the bowl judgments. Uh, We're going to find the tribulation saints in heaven, and we're going to be introduced to the seven angels with the final judgments. So that being said, let's go right to uh, chapter 15, and um, I think we can pretty much read the whole thing. It pretty much speaks for itself. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, over the number of his name, and they were standing on a sea of glass, having harps of gold, and they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. And just and true are your ways, O King of the saints, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, 
For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Now after these things I looked, and behold, and the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened, and out of the temple came seven angels, having seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chest girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of the Lord and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So what we have in chapters 10 through 14, um, it gives us detailed events that occurred in chapters 6, 8, 9, and 16. Now, next week, we'll be uh, 15 and 16 go together, but so do 17 and 18. But when we get to 17 and 18, it's only going back and giving us detail about chapter 16. This one chapter is going to contain the final bold judgments, and they're different from the trumpet judgments in that the trumpet judgments only brought about a third of the plagues. This is a complete and total destruction of planet Earth. Um, it's not the end of the world, but it's complete and total destruction of planet Earth. And um, then when we get to 17 and 18, those two go together. But it's coming back and it's telling us things that are happening in chapter 16. So as, as we get into this, Hebrews 10.31 says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Um, you know, just let that sink in just for a second. To have the creator of, of this known galaxy um, be against you. I wouldn't want to be a Cossack. A love song wrote a song years ago. said, I wouldn't want to be a Cossack. A Cossack is a Russian soldier. And they wrote a song about it. And it's all about Ezekiel 38. And um, because what the Lord is going to do in this chapter tonight, and one of the main points that I'm going to try to make, is that these plagues, to a certain point, are an exact template of the plagues that were in Egypt, almost without exception. And so, again, as we go through the Bible, we want to see it as complete, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, this, uh, as I prayed earlier, this scarlet thread that runs through and ties it all together. So we've gotten to the point where... um, This is pretty much it. And the first thing that we read here is in chapter 16, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and a loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image. Now, let's open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 9 and look at verse 9. All right, so the first plague 
that we, we read about here is um, these boils that are poured out, but it's selective. I have in my notes also Deuteronomy 28, and that chapter makes a distinction to Israel. If you do this, I'm going to bless you. If you get away from me, I'm going to curse you. So what we have here in 9 is one of the plagues, the sixth plague. Verse 8, so the Lord said to Moses, take for yourself a handful of ashes from the furnace and let Moses scatter it towards the heavens in sight of Pharaoh. And it will become like fine dust on the land of Egypt and it will cause boils to break out and sores on men and beasts throughout the land of Egypt. Then they took the ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh and scattered them towards heaven. And they caused boils that break out in sores on man and beast. And uh, magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. He did not heed them, just as the Lord spoke to Moses. So here we begin to connect the dots. Let's go back to um, Revelation 16. And the first judgment, we have a warning. Let's just go back to, um, let's go back to chapter 14. Let's look at the third angel in verse 9. Then the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. And it doesn't mention the boils. It passes that, and it goes right into what their eternal penalty is going to be. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone, in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image who received the mark of his name. Now here is the patience of, of the saints. So up till this time, um, I like to say people are now, you're forced to choose. Right now we're living in an age, I've talked to people about the Lord, and they say, well, maybe someday. Maybe someday I'll give my life to the Lord. And um, not realizing that, you know, anything could happen at any time. And you might not be here next week. I might not be here next week. Anything could happen between now and next week. There's no guarantees. What's different about this period of time here is you're forced to choose. Uh, you're forced to take the mark of the beast. If you don't, you're killed. Well, some people aren't because they're obviously talked about here, those that um, have the patience of the saints. Obviously, they go into hiding, and um, they do so. And uh, as a result, they make it through the Great Tribulation, and um, oh, let's just do it. Just go to Matthew 25 real quick. It's not in my notes, but it's in my head right now, so let's go there and connect these dots. And I'm doing it for one reason. Matthew 25, verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory with all the holy angels with him, 
Then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from the other as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. It's at this place there will be those who have the mark of the beast. There will be this, there will be those who did not, and we're getting ready to enter into the 1,000-year millennial kingdom reign, and so he has to bring judgment upon those who took the mark of the beast. Now, we're going to develop this thought a little bit more when we get to uh, Daniel chapter 12, because it gives us the exact day when the Son of Man returns. And I hope that teases you just a little bit. And um, um, to be able to say you know the first coming of the Lord to the day, and then be able to say, I even know the second coming to the day, what we don't know is the time of the rapture. Nobody knows, not the angels, only uh, my Father who's in heaven. Those who are rejected, what we just read in Revelation, we read here, um, verse 45, he will answer them saying, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it not to the least of these, you do it not unto me. These will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. And um, how people can get around saying, well, there's, there is no hell, and uh, how could a loving God ever create a hell? Well, he has to create a hell. He says hell was created for the devil and his angels and anybody that chooses to go along with him. So um, this is part of, uh, if you look at verse 26, verse 1, when it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover. So we're dating this time frame here. So beginning with chapter 24 and 25, basically we call this the Olivet Discord. And it's um, two days before the final Passover. And um, the Lord is describing in detail what's going to happen. This is all happening on the Sermon on the Mount. We have the parable of the ten virgins here. We have, as it was in the days of Noah, we have the parable of the fig tree. And we have the disciples asking a question, when, when are you going to come, Lord, and what should we be looking out for? All right, back to... Um, Back to Revelation 16. So the first judgment is selective. We find it was selective also when the Lord delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. This did not affect those living in Goshen. And it brings us to the second bowl, where it tells us then, the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became blood as of a dead man and every living creature in the sea died. Now for this one, I want to go to Exodus 7. Exodus 7 verse 20 says, And Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod, and he struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. 
uh, the fish that were in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river, so there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Back to chapter 16. Now we have a third of the oceans have already been turned to blood. Now it is complete. Now we have every living creature in the sea, and it's dead. All uh, marine life on planet Earth from this point is gone. Um, Seven-tenths of the Earth's surface is is covered, one-third already destroyed. And um, we find that the Lord did this again when he was delivering his people out of Egypt. Which brings us to the third bowl judgment. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you give them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Now, if you turn, let's sneak ahead just a little bit to John 17. And what John sees in John 17, in verse, um, the first six verses, is a woman who is a harlot, and she's riding the beast. And the woman is the religious institution that will be formed after the rapture of the church. The last verse of chapter 17 tells us where it's located. It's located in that city that rules over the kings of the earth. Now, this was written in 96 AD. Look at verse 18. The woman who you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Well, in 96 AD, who ruled the world? The Roman Empire ruled the world. And here... This is going to be the headquarters of this worldwide religion. Now, the reason I'm tying this into the um, third bowl is because angels are saying, this is justice. You know, like you reap what you sow. When John, in verse 6, said, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus... And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. This is supposed to be um, Christianity, and yet they're known for killing the saints. How many people here have heard or read of Fox's Book of Martyrs? Most everybody? It starts out with Stephen, and it, 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 it's, it's the history, it's a must-read for what it has happened to true believers. True believers can hear sounds at certain times. It sounds like music. And, but only special people can hear it. And um, the gift is gone. I had it for a minute. and it just I shouldn't brag about my gifts in 
especially when I'm live streaming, I suppose, but it comes and goes, you know. Poor Carol. (laughs) The reason that the angels are saying, this is true, you gave them blood to drink, and they, they, they deserve it. Why? Because it is the Roman Catholic Church that's responsible for, oh, hundreds of thousands of true believers being martyred. And um, um, this is what John is marveling at, that these are the ones that uh, actually martyred and, and um, burned, tortured real believers. Um, the first, the, the most, were, they're called the Anabaptists, and they did not believe in infant baptism. And that, if you were Anabaptist, and you did not, and you weren't baptized, uh, then you were put to the stake and burned as a heretic. But read Fox's Book of Martyrs, but I allude to it here because the angels are saying that this is their just reward. They can't drink water because it's been turned to blood. All right, that brings us to the fourth one, verses um, 8 and 9. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who had power over these plagues, and they did not repent of, of their And it did not give him glory. So verses 8 and 9, let's go to, oh, we're going to make you do a little page turning here. Let's start with uh, Luke 21, 25, a verse that's been taken out of context. It's all over the Internet right now with the September 23rd lining up with um, Revelation 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, Luke 21, Let me draw your attention to verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts will be failing them for fear with the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven will be shaken. So here there's a first reference to um, um, signs in the sun. Um, It could be anything. Um, The ozone could be gone. Maybe a nova, supernova, could be caused by nuclear uh, attack that affects our ozone layer. Uh, That would cause... You know, the, um, um, the ultraviolet rays to come straight through where our atmosphere shields them right now. If that was taken away, well, men's um, skin would indeed be scorched. Let's look at some from the Old Testament. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 24. Isaiah 24, picking it up 
in verse 6, it says, Therefore the curse has devoured the earth, and those who dwell in it are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. So here's a prophecy that talks about this event, this judgment, where the inhabitants of the earth are not only burnt, but because of the plagues, um, compared to the billions that were here, it says only a, a few remain. Let's go to the book of Malachi, the last one. Let's book of the Old Testament, chapter 4, verse 1. Tells us, for behold, the day is coming. This is a reference to the tribulation. Burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. So this is a reference to the uh, day of the Lord. As long as we're here, look at verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the children to the the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So Elijah and Moses have been killed by the Antichrist. So we have information given to us about one of one of these plagues. And um, let's go back. Those are the ones that make reference to it in the Old Testament. So that would be the fourth bowl. Now the fifth bowl, then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their teeth tongues because of the pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores, and did not repent of their deeds. Uh, I want you to turn for this one to the book of Joel. If you just go to Daniel where we are on Sunday morning, you'll find that after we do Daniel, we'll be in Hosea, and then we'll be in the book of Joel. I want to go to chapter 2 and draw your attention to verse 31. Let's go back to verse 30. I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Now, we have a whole lot more information given to us as we study more detail in the book of Revelation, what that's entailing. It's actually one of the bold judgments Let's open our Bibles to Exodus 10, verse 21. This is the ninth plague. This would have been right before the final plague of of the death of the firstborn. Then the Lord answered Moses, Stretch out your hand towards heaven, and there will be darkness over the land of Egypt 
darkness which may even be felt. I'm going to come back and tell a story about that in a second. So Moses stretched out his hand towards heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. So this was located only uh, to the Egyptians and not in the land of Goshen. Oh, it has to be at least 20 years ago. I had a, um, one of our first secretary here it was Claudette Allen. And um, she's from Switzerland. And our whole family uh, is saved. Uh, Claudette was uh, my secretary for several years. She, all, she was also at a rawhide. She worked kind of between, between the two. And on one of my trips to India, um, we just stopped off, and I stayed with the Allen family. Found out Claudette was working with an organization called Torchbearers. Who's heard of Torchbearers? Torchbearers is an organization that will take youth and bring them for a whole summer. And um, in some cases, they'll teach you how to climb mountains. In other cases, in this case, it was caving. And the guy that she worked for, his name was Hans. Um, some of you old-timers, Hans, and who were the Olympians? Hans and Franz. Remember the last name? No, we're not talking Saturday Night Live here. <laughs> anyway, um, they were Olympic gold medalists in uh, one, of, one of the Olympics. Hans used to ski with the other brother, um, and uh, he got killed in an avalanche. He's an extreme skier, um, and I mean extreme. And he's also credited with um, discovering caves. And he has one cave that that he was able to to name. So when we were there, it just happened that that particular day that we went to see Claudette, this this was in Schladming, Austria. It's a fairy town. I mean, it was unbelievable, beautiful this place. And uh, we all had hard hats on with flashlights here. And we entered an area, oh, no bigger than this big around. And we crawled on our hands and feet for a long ways. And all of a sudden, it opens up into a chamber larger than our sanctuary here and as tall. And it just opens up. And there, what Hans does is he gives a Bible study on outer darkness. And um, to give effect to the, the, the Bible study, he gives the Bible study, and then he tells everybody that they have to turn off their light. And um, I can't tell you how unnerving that was. You could, it was total darkness. You couldn't do this. And believe me, after 20 seconds of total darkness, you began to freak out. And you started, and you said, you can't touch anybody. You just can't do anything except just sit there. And um, talk about an object lesson. I'll never forget it. And I, as we're going out and we're going back down the mountain, I said, Hans, that, that was quite 
quite a study, and um, you left you left an impression on a lot of young people about the reality of hell and what outer darkness is. And the point he was making is, you're going to be all alone forever and ever in that place. And I said, you know, it was eerie in there. And I said, it made me think of this scripture right here. And I talked about this, and I said, about the darkness which could even be felt. And he said, Dwight, I'd never heard that before. He says, as part of the plagues, the darkness that was on Egypt was so much of a darkness that it could, could even be felt. He said, well, I've never used it before, but next time we're going in, we're bringing that, that one up. But uh, whenever I read this uh, verse here, I can't help but think of that experience. So let's go back to Revelation 16. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and the kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongue because of the pain. Um, I guess this darkness was felt, <laughs> and there was something that was added to it, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. That brings us to our sixth bowl, which is verses 12 through 16. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the ways of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs, notice, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, that's Satan, out of the mouth of the beast, that's the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophets. So all of them um, allow spirits to go out of them for the purpose, uh, for they are spirits of demons performing signs so that they go to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them together to the battle of that great day of our God Almighty. All right, I'm just going to stop here for a second. And um, when we get to Sunday, we'll be in chapter 11. And this one verse here where it says that they go together, the kings of the earth, and we just have one verse, one sentence. When we get to Daniel 11, we'll have a whole half a chapter that gives great detail of this one verse right here. The gathering of the kings of the earth, only it's laid out in detail where the Antichrist is. He'll be in the south. I don't want to give too much of it away. Um, but he makes, no, I'm not going to give any more away. I'm going to leave it at that, make you think about it. That's coming up on Sunday morning. So we have, what, one sentence here, and then in Revelation 11 we have half of a chapter describing in detail what we just read right here. Now, before we read that, that it tells us what the battle is in verse 16, Armageddon, all of a sudden out of nowhere, we have red letters. Gang, there hasn't been any red letters since the end of chapter 3. Why would the Lord put this in red letters? Because it's, that's only for the church. So here we are, 2017, in July, 
And the Lord is basically telling us all these plagues, and you go, you really believe that all the fish in the ocean, everything ocean is going to die? You really believe that's going to happen? Oh, yeah, I really do. I believe it has to happen. It has to happen because it's written. And so just for emphasis, he's now, stop, just stop everything what you're doing, and I want you to listen, church. And he said, behold, I'm coming as a thief. Now this precedes all of the great tribulation. And before we get into the earth being completely destroyed, he just stops and it's one of those things where he said, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment. And in other words, an encouragement to what you guys are doing tonight. You're taking your Wednesday night and um, you're spending it here going verse by verse through Revelation chapter 16. Reading some of the most unbelievable stuff you go, (laughs) ever happened before? Well, yeah, pretty much as a template over the plagues of Egypt as you get into it. And then the Lord said, um, lest she walk naked and they see his shame. This to me is the, the parable of the ten virgins. They're all called Christians, but they weren't all watching. And when the Lord did come, they simply weren't ready because they didn't have any oil in their lamp. The oil, I believe, is a symbol of being born again, having the Spirit of God living and dwelling in you, versus people who say they are Christians, who will someday come to the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, we did this and this and this and this. And he said, depart. I never knew you. But they were called Christian their entire life, but they were not born again. What did Jesus say about being born again to a very religious man? He said, Nicodemus, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. And he goes, I don't get it. How can a man be born when he is old? Now, Nicodemus was a leader of the Pharisees. And he should have known these things, and Jesus calls calls them out. He says, look, Nick, you're a leader in Israel, and you don't know these basic spiritual things? And he didn't. And so, why must you be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven? And the answer is, because you must be born again. And here he's giving a word for those who have a problem with um, the supernatural and miracles. I think the Lord is saying, stop, before we wind the whole thing up, I want to I speak to the church. And I want to tell them, I really am coming like a thief. No man knows the day or the hour, and I'm going to snatch you guys out just like that. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, it's going to happen that quick. And he just throws throws that that in there. And then they gather them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. So now we have the battle of Armageddon taking place. 17 through the end here, we have, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there was a noise and thunders and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake. Such great an earthquake had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided. This is Jerusalem into three parts. 
and the cities of the nations fell. So the earthquake has caused every city to fall because of the greatness of this earthquake. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. It shook the world in such a way that every island was taken away and every mountain was taken away. And then, after the earthquake, great hail from heaven fell upon men, every hailstone about the weight of a talent, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. Turn with me to Exodus 9. Let's see if we get this one right. (laughs) Exodus 9. Yeah, got one right for a change. Exodus 9, verse 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards heaven that they may be hail in the land of Egypt on man, on beast, on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod towards heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire darted to the ground. And the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt, so there was hail, and the hail mingled with the uh, uh, fire, so very heavy that there was none like it in the land of Egypt since it became a nation, and the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt. All that was in the field, both man and beast, the hail struck every herb of the field, broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel, there was no hail. Back to the end of the bowl judgments. Every island fades away. Um, It could be um, a polar axis shift. That's possible. Uh, That causes the earth to have this great earthquake. But um, what it does, it tells us that the hailstones were the weight of a talent. A weight of a talent is anywhere between 75 and 120 pounds. Now, last night on the news, they were holding in their hand golf ball-sized hail that came through the area, and it showed some of the damage that was done. Golf golf ball-sized hail. This um, hail, um, like the one back in Egypt, destroys planet Earth. It is completely leveled. Every city is completely leveled. And as I like to say, I know that will definitely put a dinghy in your car roof if one of these things hits it. And a lot, even a lot more than that. So as we get to this particular verse, um, we're, we're coming to the end of the great tribulation period. It began in chapter 6 with six, seven seal judgments, then seven trumpet judgments, and now we've finished this, the, um, the final with the seventh bowl judgment, and with the final judgment of the hail and the earthquake, it brings 
Um, not the end of the world, but it brings us to the time that will bring about the second coming of the Lord. And we'll develop that when we get into chapters 12. Now, next week, uh, chapters 17 and 18 are the judgments on Babylon. But they come back, and it's not in chronological order because this is taking place in chapter 16, uh, this last three-and-a-half-year period where Satan has his ability to turn himself loose on planet Earth. And the Lord brings the same judgments that he did in Egypt to match these here. So I wouldn't want to be a Cossack, and I wouldn't want to be uh, against those when the Lord judges it was determined how they treated his people, Jewish people or believers. Which brings us to a major dividing line in our study of the book of Revelation. And um, miracles happen every once in a while. And this happens to be one of the nights that a miracle has happened at 10 minutes to 8. So let's stand and we'll close in prayer. You get the fellowship 10 minutes longer tonight. Lord, I have to come back to verse 15 in closing in prayer because you're talking to us. So, Lord, as we study your word and we realize the consequences of people that we know, that we love, that are either backslidden or they're not born again, they're not walking with you, we have this exhortation from you that reminds us that you really are coming as a thief. And that we're blessed if we're the ones that are watching for the signs and the fulfillment of these things to take place. We know the stage is set in the Middle East right now. As we just sent over an aircraft carrier with over 5,000 people to show our muscle in that same part of the country where Russia is already gathered. And they're all a part of the beginning of the scenario scenario of setting the stage of Ezekiel 37 and 38. Lord, we want to be found watching. And anybody tonight, Lord, that maybe is backslidden or haven't been walking with you, I just thank you that you're so gracious that you do give us exhortation to watch and to be ready. So Lord, as we go out tonight, we just pray that you'd help us be those watchmen on the wall that are warning people about these coming events. And Lord, we pray for our loved ones in closing. Any of them that do not know you, we don't want anyone to go through this terrible period of time. So Lord, bless us as we go, and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.